Hi, and welcome to the Online Notification Pod, a podcast produced by Suma. I'm Alex, your host. Anders told me earlier this week that he had run an experiment. We're going to talk about that experiment in the beginning of this episode, which is about how to convert leads. We're going to talk about what historically has been best practice and what the future will look like. I really hope you will enjoy this episode. So Doug, it's time to roll the jingle. And talking about fantastic, I I hope everyone observed that uh, Alexander seems to have had a haircut today. Yeah. Looks fantastic. Now when we started to uh, to record with video as well, uh, I felt it was uh, very much needed. So um, good, Anders. I talked to you earlier this week uh, before we had a um, webinar uh, with Martin, and uh, you mentioned to me that you had uh, tried a new experiment, so trying to convert participants to the webinar through LinkedIn. Could you just tell a bit what you did and, and the result? I did an experiment um, from from several perspectives. You know, everyone seems to talk about conversion and staying close to customers and prospects and so on. And then I thought, okay, so if if I should make some type of record in conversion, how would I do? And I was sitting working late Thursday night last week and that's not for that's for the second webinar we have uh, about digital outlook or focusing on digital outlook so what i did was open uh, messaging on linkedin contact people that i like that i haven't spoke with in a while and and where i thought it could be relevant for them to sign up so of course based on that i actually wanted to know how it was um I added that for them who know Martin and so on. I added suggested, and I was clear about saying that sign up because then you sort of will get the recording afterwards, even if even if you can't make it calendar-wise. And um, the exact figure was 86% conversion, um, probably the highest conversion I have been involved with when it comes to something commercial. Um, and and to give you a round figure, we talk about, I don't exactly remember, 70 people. So that's a fairly good conversion, I think. Yeah, that's very good. And, and, and therefore, I thought that today's topic is going to talk about more about conversion. So I would like to ask you, Stellan, like, what is conversion? We, uh, yeah. we, we hear it a lot and it's kind of a buzzword. And uh, so, but what is it? Well, at, at its core, it's quite simple. It's it's what happens when a, a visitor on your uh, on your site or in your app or whatever it is uh, does something that you want them to do. So completes a goal of some kind. It can be signing up to something or or getting in touch with you about something or using a certain functionality or a certain widget or something like that. That's that's basically a conversion. Yeah. And- the next question was, what's the purpose of a conversion? But then it it, it sounds like there are many different purposes depending on. Yeah, it's on it's ultimately mapped to your goal and what you're trying to achieve. So yeah. So we heard Anders' uh, experiment here to convert. Uh, c- c- 
could you walk us through some some other common ways to convert potential customers, Stella? Um, well, this is closely related to good UX <laughs> in general. So what Anders was doing is really sort of hands-on, um, in interacting with contacts and and uh, basically notifying them that there is a probably for them interesting event to participate in. But normally it's about uh, sort of an automated process of some kind. Uh, you drive traffic to some place and from that place you want them to complete the goal you're looking to achieve. And so that is very much UX driven. So what kind of expectation do people have when they arrive on what's then called your landing page? And, and what happens on that page that drives the conversion to, to the goal that you're trying to achieve? Uh, and here is uh, you know, everything from, from the layout of the, of the page to the copy, uh, even the micro copy, you know, the sort of when you're interacting with a forum or something, do you get a um, confirmation that you enter your, your credentials correctly and so on? Or does it just give you strange error messages and you have no idea what you're going to do and so on? So all of those kind of tiny details uh, can affect conversion a lot. So um, we've been running some experiments where we just changed the, uh, the color and the copy of a button uh, and had like 20, 30 percent conversion increase just from, mm -hmm. from such a small change um, and then you when you run bigger experiments you can have you know uh, <laughs> a, a two or three x difference in conversion if you're really good yeah so is there then for example if you take the color example is there general colors that are better or is it that dependable of of of, uh, of the branding itself and the other colors on the website yeah it's, so it's a sort of the full picture of what you're met with is super important, but but in general, yes. Uh, if we are we're using colors the way we're or we're associating colors the way we like are normally presented with colors in life. So you drive a car, you're in an elevator, whatever. If something is like flashing red, it's an error. So to have like a flashing red CTA to get people to uh, do a banking transaction or something is like a terrible idea. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so there are uh, there are these kind of general rules that you that you have to adhere to. But, but other than that, yes, it's it's very much down to sort of the branding and and the, the full picture of what you're looking at, what kind of, of colors you should be using. Stellan, that that was fine. Could you give us more examples of terrible ideas when it comes to UX and conversion? <laughs> <laughs> come across a few uh, but uh, no it's it's I think sometimes the the key thing is to you want to you want to isolate your experiments uh, and you want to run experiments that that make a difference so um, what you want to do is you want to have uh, sort of a, a platform to stand on that's based on best practice but then in each individual case um, you want to you want to apply a b testing or multivariate testing to drive the conversion rate um, and when you do that you you're it's more common that you are a bit surprised to say that aha okay that worked uh, you know much better than i had anticipated and so on just because the scenarios are different uh, target audiences are different uh, cultures are different and, and things like that so sort of base the starting point on what's what's known 
but then really apply uh, what's referred to as radically different design. Uh, try a lot of different options to try to drive the conversion and to see what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. Anders, how much time would you say that you spent on uh, on your experiment, um, reaching out to seventy people? Not certain, but perhaps two and a half hour. But, yeah. but you have to remember um, taking that as a an example of conversion is that maybe someone signed up to be nice to me. Maybe someone was actually really interested. Uh, th there's all, always different sort of preferences but the nice thing to work with conversions with friends is that if you are relevant you welcome back uh, and and the good thing is that if someone now uh, listens that signed up and perhaps attended the webinar if they really enjoyed it or if they liked the recording afterwards uh, and it helped them in any way okay then it was a good conversion last thursday good suggestion good outcome um, the relation will continue in the as least as good way but the good thing to do it with well-known people through linkedin is that as stellan said in an episode proof is in the pudding that's exactly what i mean sometimes b2c brands seem to forget that i think things about their brand as well doing their automation um, I, I was thinking just today, when it comes to conversion, on, on a well-known Finnish brand that sells a lot of nice stuff for your home, I bought, let, let's say, lounge furniture for the house a couple of days ago. And today they send me and say, this weekend we have a reduction of price. Or 10 to 40 percent that's when intended conversion hits the other way yeah. why didn't i get that price reduction when i bought it a week ago so the the advantage to do sort of nurturing of known contacts and trying to make them to convert to things is that you need to put it sort of in a different scenario than if you throw out things automated and try to achieve conversion. You follow how I think, Stellan, right? Mm. Of course. So your goal here, Anders, was to convert people to participate in the webinar. Could you give some examples of other goals in the, uh, about conversion, like in the, in, the, in the customer journeys? I mean, the, firstly, uh, like, like I was spinning now that, that if you, for example, take in Suma's case, we have 2000 plus relevant contacts that we have legal basis. They have asked us to, to uh, alert them and, and keep in touch and so on. And um, if you only think from the inside, okay, you want everyone to convert to purchase things every day, but everyone is not in that mood right now. Someone is in between jobs. Um, someone is in a position right now where our services are not relevant. Someone is just about to buy exactly what you can use Suma for and, and, and et cetera. So you, you have to differ between a supplier's egoistic conversion targets and the situation that people are in 
And and I mean, if you just look at at Suma, there's a huge amount of possible conversions that you can do on a daily basis. You can do a conversion that you download something. You can do a conversion that you buy something. You can do a conversion that you open an email. You can do a conversion that you open the email and go to the link and go to the download. I, I mean, there's there's tons of conversions, but but usually in Suma, the the only conversions that we talk about are the ones who are transactional, meaning that you actually take a step in your life cycle. And then it's easy to think that you only talk about prospects or potential customers, but it's exactly the same with one of sort of our friends that have been buying things from us for 15 years. Those conversions are as interesting if we talk about transactional conversions. But I mean, fulfilling an MPS um, form or fulfilling a, a survey about the corporation the last year between us and a friend or a, a client, that is also conversions. But But when we speak about conversions, we speak about transactional conversions or very close to the commercial part. Um, and to throw something in here, sadly, it's still around that real companies and their suppliers talk about conversions when it's only traffic, meaning how mm. many came to our site. For me, that's it's a prerequisite to reach the conversion, but it's only the prerequisite to reach the conversion. You have anything to fill in there, Stella? Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> if your job is to sort of optimize optimize the ad, for example. Then in Anders' case, you can say that well, the the click through to the site from the ad is your conversion. But but that's not what the ultimate goal of the campaign is. Is to drive something else. So from that perspective, uh, it's a prerequisite for the conversion rather than the, the conversion itself, so to speak. So it. Did, Depends on what the goal is of the person that is actually looking at what's happening as well. So uh, it's it's sort of multiple dimensions uh, in this discussion. So Anders had a conversion rate of eighty six percent. Is there possible? Is it possible to say what what a good conversion rate is in general, Stella? <laughs> Every year there there is a, a bunch of uh, statistics uh, presented. From uh, like different angles, so uh, you know, typical conversion rates in ads, typical conversion rates in email, typical conversion rates on e-commerce websites, and so on. Um, so, so yes, like per industry or or per type of application, there are benchmarks um, that you can compare yourself with. Um, so, um, um, yeah, it, it, what a good conversion rate is varies. Uh, a lot between industries um, and it also varies a lot uh, as we've said what type of conversion you're talking about if it's a transactional one or if it's uh, signing up for a newsletter and so on so so there are statistics uh, but you can't say that one percent is bad for example because because it, it can be really good in in uh, certain instances yep. so if we look at the like historically uh, compared to the future what has uh, historically been the tactics to convert leads and what do you think will be the future uh, stella uh, well obviously over the last uh, few years um, 
sort of the whole the whole shift and move towards inbound and content marketing has made sort of content a key driver of conversion. Um, going forward, well, it's interesting to see that the pandemic has uh, sort of made people want to have uh, digital interactions a lot more um, and sort of prefer that over physical interactions even in, in certain cases. Um, and I think that's going to drive sort of a new type of conversion where booking a meeting, for example, and, and doing uh, an introduction via video and so on is going to be a much more important point of conversion than it was before, uh, where essentially you could, you know, at some point you ended up with having to like get in touch to book a physical meeting. Um, I also think uh, video is uh, is going to be, you can say it's part of content marketing, but, uh, but to have like on-demand webinars and so on is going to be a much more important point of conversion than what it used to be. Um, yeah, that would like a couple of takes on where we're going. Yeah. And what do you think, Anders, about the future? <laughs> I think the future is bright generally. And I think, um, I hope, I must say, because I've been thinking this before, that um, relevance will win. So the ones who think long term and the ones who truly mean that they want to help um, the person who needs something will win and all the short term dash my bag um, will lose and disappear. That that's I've been thinking that many times before, but perhaps we now are at the state in the world where most can afford sort of the tech and most, most can understand um, what the right way is. So hopefully relevance wins, all the others go home. Good. And finally, Anders, what's your main learning from running that experiment? The more you know about someone, the easier it is to be relevant. And I know you mentioned that there were one sentence that was important uh, related to webinars, signing up for webinars. Uh, maybe it's sort of an, if you were thinking about that, I said that um, provide the recording Yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Most, most people... I, I throw out the figure now. I, I think, generally speaking, never more than 50% that show up when they have signed up for a webinar. And it's interesting to look at the statistics. Uh, okay, they were signed up and attended. How long did they stay? And it's also interesting to look how many signed up for the MPS or, or fulfill the MPS afterwards and how many need a reminder that they actually have a recording now. Um, do that in a nice way, make sure that the contact owner watches the data and uh, reminds in a friendly and nice way, whether it's automated or not, is just up, up to the relevance and, and the tone of how you do that, whether it's automated or it's sending a manual mail or calling someone or mentioning in a video meeting and so on. Yeah, good. Thank you both very much for today. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alexander. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it on Spotify, SoundCloud, or you can subscribe to it on Zuma.se. Thank you very much and bye-bye.